What's up? What's up? What's up, guys? It's uh, the 33 Rings Podcast. We're back with episode two, um, the Lonzo Ball episode, or Kawhi, whoever you prefer. But who's another? Here. Who's another number two? Uh, God, uh, I read some earlier too, and now I'm blanking. Um, is Kyrie number two? Or is he back to? He Atlanta? was. He was, wasn't he? Oh yeah, it's yeah. Okay, yeah. So he was two first in Cleveland. Yeah, two in Cleveland. So Can't he doesn't remember. count anymore. I put um, all those out of my mind. All those memories. Blake. Oh yeah, how could we forget? Yeah. Trust me, we won't ever forget. <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, that video so, yeah. of him punching that dude in uh, at Florida State so sick. <laughs> <laughs> Was it at Florida State? I think so. Yeah, I'm gonna disagree with you, but that's just for my reputation. Um, you might be right, but I'm not gonna say who I think it is because oh, I have no idea. I thought it was like Arizona or something. I don't know. Steve Blake. Well, this says the University of Maryland. Well, all right. So <laughs> we were in the Google's wrong. Google's wrong. We were, <laughs> uh, so we got a cool little episode lined up. Um, we're going to touch on some things that are going on in the league now, and then we're going to start a redraftable series. So uh, starting in 2010, but we're going to jump into that later in the episode. Um, yeah, we're, we're also hoping that that undraftable series, oh my God, <clears throat> that uh, undraftable series <laughs> will turn into... Um, We'll turn to something that we can do on YouTube later on that's separate from the podcast. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah. We got a lot of different different avenues we want to go down. Uh, A lot of things we want to discover and enjoy and, uh, you know, look into. So, but right now we're just going to talk about what's going on in the league today. I know you were excited about Tatum and the Celtics and uh, what they did to the Raptors and dismantling them. And then, oh yeah. And they got a win just a couple hours ago too, man. Yeah. It's looking up for the Celtics. Um, what, what's looking up for the Celtics look like to you coming out of the East? Is that what looking up is? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Or just the the potential that they could, you know, cause those first few games back, um, in the exhibition games, mm-hmm. man, they were looking pretty rough. They just looked like they, their defense was pretty lacking early on. They weren't really flying around the ball. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing with the Celtics, man, those guards and those wings have got to be at 110% on defense because they don't have the big men. Um, right to to slack off on so uh, but their, their we, defense uh, is looking good their ball movement is looking better than i've ever seen it um in the past three years i mean the ball is just flying around extra passes mm-hmm. um they're looking like a really unselfish and uh pretty good shooting team as well so see they they're one of the teams that and this is something that's important to me is a team that that seems like they know who they are um yeah i and think it, that's fair it, yeah, and I think that's like them and the Raptors. Uh, I think Milwaukee struggles with their identity. I think sometimes Milwaukee wants to shoot 33s, and sometimes they don't shoot any. Do, do you um, think that anybody in Milwaukee, which, yeah, I agree with that, and they are definitely a three-point shooting team. Um, I mean, does anybody on that team, though, not realize that it's 110% Giannis's team? Or that that they should only really be running through Giannis? No way. Surely. I mean, right? surely. Yeah. I mean, they get to watch him every day. Surely yeah. they're like, okay, I'm much worse than him. Yeah. Like, let's um, just let him create. Let's let him do everything. And I'm just yeah. here to, yeah. But I, I, I do like that about Boston. I think the Lakers struggle with their identity, especially with us losing um, Bradley and Rondo. As much as I'm not hurt about Rondo not playing, um, and, and Bradley hurts to an extent. I mean, our plus minus stuff is always a lot better when he's off the floor, but we know the kind of defensive presence he is. For mm-hmm. those good guards, at least just making it difficult. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the Lakers struggle with their identity. I think we don't know if we want to play the LeBron or AD half the time in a sense of who's going to take the shots. 
So, and I think, I think all year they still haven't found a, like an in-between. And I think, I mean, in the bubble, it's obvious. Neither of them, if we haven't had one of them have a good game at the same time. Yeah. Um, it's always one or the other. Like LeBron played really well the other night and AD was three for 11. How, how so much stock just, do you put into the, um, who takes the last shot type of thing? Cause it doesn't just mean that, right? You know, it right. doesn't just mean who is taking the last shot, you know, with the game on the line, but yeah. you know, who's well, your main guy that you're going to give the ball to when you need a bucket? Well, LeBron statistically is the best closer in NBA history. Right. So, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm talking getting, about this year and I'm talking about who the Lakers identify it as in 2020. I think, I think, and this is weird enough with me saying LeBron's the best closer. I think LeBron probably identifies it as Anthony Davis. Um, I think LeBron likes having the other option to be the one to take that shot. Um, but you know, that's just me. Um, I, I don't think from a team standpoint, I think everybody just has to look to LeBron. So, and, it, and it's not even a sense of who's taking the last shot. It's who's making the last play. Right. And, uh, he's going to make the right one. And that's, uh, it, if it comes down to, Hey, you can have the ball in AD's hands or LeBron's. I'm just, I'm handing that thing to LeBron every time. Yeah. I think I am too. So. Cause it, cause it will potentially go back to AD. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. if, if, if you're in a, I mean, even a three-point game, I was going to say if you're in a two-point game, if you're in a three-point game and there's time on the clock, there's no reason to not put LeBron and AD in a screen and roll or a screen and pop just because, you know, somebody's either got to switch or make something happen with two guys who are elite on that side of the ball. So, yeah. And um, so you mentioned that you think the Celtics, I guess that's how we got on that tangent, is yeah. the, the Celtics know who they are. Mm-hmm. Who do you see the Celtics as? Like, what, what do you think that they view themselves as? I think, I think they literally view themselves as like a hard-nosed team. Like I think that they want to get down and dirty and play ball. And uh, I think so too. And I appreciate that because like in preseason outlook, I'm not going to look at, I mean, there's got, we know Jalen Brown could play and defend. Um, it's about wanting to do that. And I think that Tatum's really come along and Marcus Smart's really, and they'll, every person on that team will tell you he's the heart and soul of that team. Mm-hmm. And when you're following the lead of that guy, you have no choice, but to, you know what I'm saying? Play that way. And right. uh I think offensively, they know they know who their playmakers are and who's have the ball in their hands. And I think if the game comes down to the to ten seconds, I think it's going to be in Tatum's hand every time. Yeah. So and uh, I think Kimba's okay with that, and that's that's important. Yeah, I think he is too. Um, and then you've also got uh, Brad Stevens making those uh, those ATOs that are just yeah, you know, you never know who the ball is going to. Um, right. So yeah, I think that's fair. I think that Brad Stevens also really really influences that hard nosed. Uh, defensive oh, minded sure. team because uh, I think that's what he excels with I think he excels with teams of uh, overachievers and I don't think that the Celtics in 2020 are technically overachievers um, but they play with that mindset um, I mean Tatum so, overachieved for me this year I didn't think uh, especially coming off of last season I didn't know what what Tatum was going to look like because it was kind of like a redemption year mm-hmm. uh, well, I, mean, I, I meant as a team as a whole okay more or less okay yeah um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I, I think for me, regardless of what they did to Toronto, and we talked about this before we started, I mean, the best teams can get beat by 40, 50, any night it's the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go back and look at the Cleveland and Warriors series, um, uh, when they, when Cleveland came back from three, one, I mean, they were getting blown out every game, you know, and then they turned around a few blowouts. Right. So it's just, I mean, it just happens. And I think Toronto is probably still my favorite to come out of the East, but I do have a lot more confidence in Boston than I originally had. Um, yeah. Cause to your point, you know, you can't put too much stock into 
um, just the game, what was it, three nights ago? Where the, I mean, it was really more like a 30, 35-point game. I think they ended up winning by 22. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you could tell that the Celtics were playing good defense, but the Raptors were not shooting the ball well either. Right. And how much of that was based on the uh, the Celtics' defense? I don't think all of it was. I think it was just mm-hmm. a pretty bad shooting night. Um, uh, the Raptors looked kind of confused on who to give the ball to, and then the Celtics were also... Dude, in the first half, I don't know how much of the game you watched, but the first half, I really didn't think the Celtics were even playing that good. I didn't think the right. offense was, you know, running that smoothly. The third quarter, obviously, they broke it open and mm-hmm. um, maybe saw peak performance Celtics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you, so you can't put too much stock into it. But at the same time, the Celtics are three of four on the on the year against the against the Raptors. So yeah, I mean, there's stock to put into that. Um, yeah, yeah. At that point. If you yeah. know, if you know, it's an even matchup. It's not like when Toronto was beating Cleveland on every game in the regular season, and they walked into the playoff series, and we're like, "Oh, we beat them all year." Like it's just not what it was, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, the thing I'm happiest about is that we can really quit talking about Philadelphia. Um, it's and a shame. I ha- it 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 sucks because I'm just now starting to come around on the Ben Simmons thing. Uh, if you followed the second take pot at all, you know that I have a lot of words for Ben Simmons. <laughs> Uh, but I think uh, it's cool for me to, I don't know, kind of put my goggles down for expecting you to be more and just appreciating what you are. And I think um, I've really learned to appreciate what Ben Simmons is. Yeah. But I think, so it sucks for me that Ben Simmons isn't playing. Um, but I think that they were such a team that had no identity, literally had no identity, mm-hmm. um, that I think I'm happy I can quit being like, well, the talent's there, so I have to consider them. I, I think it's, and then, you know, Embiid getting hurt tonight. Um which is just another thing, another reason why I think he won't be around within the next six years, um, at least as an elite player. Um, it just it just is what it is, you know. So I, th- I think I'm okay with not considering Philadelphia anymore and it being a three team race. So yeah, I think so too. Um, if you asked me a week or two weeks ago before the Ben Simmons injury, mm-hmm. um, obviously the Celtics and the Ra- the Celtics and the Sixers right now are slated to play in the first round, which that can change fast. I think. The Sixers are sixth and one game back from both the Heat and the Pacers. Yeah. Um, so that can change super fast. Um, but if you asked me a week or two ago, I think the Celtics win, but I'm kind of nervous because the Celtics just don't really match up well against that size that the Sixers have. Yeah. Um, so I was a little nervous. And then, you know, obviously with them losing Simmons now, you, you know, you don't ever hope for any sort of injury, but. Right. Um, and, and especially if Embiid. I hope that I hope that his ankle is just a, you know, a week long thing or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you that it just doesn't seem. Even if they did, let's say, beat the Celtics in the first round, you know, if Embiid comes back and just goes Super Saiyan mode or something, I don't know. Right, uh, and it's just a horrible matchup. Which then, he is for almost any team. Yeah, 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 he is. But um, they're still not going to be coming out of the East. You know. Did you see what Draymond said about him the other night? <laughs> about Embiid. Yeah. I did not. So, you know, he replaced Shaq on TNT the other night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it was kind uh, of a horrible listen to. <laughs> See, I liked it. I thought he was really good. But he was he was talking about Embiid, and he said, uh, he, said, uh, he said the thing with Joel is that he likes to post up 15 feet away from the basket. And he was like, and he was like, as a defender, me, when I guard Joel, I'll give you that. He's like, I'll let you post up 15 feet away from the basket because there's nobody in the NBA who can guard you on the block. Yeah. And he said Philly's not going to be near as good as they can be until Joel decides that he's going to go inside and, and not waste his time the so. only hope that i had when they signed al horford because i thought it was a bad signing i didn't think that it was really going to work um but the one thing that i 
had hoped that it would do was it, but it puts Horford at the four. I mean, Horford can shoot pretty well, and he's comfortable outside. He's yeah. great at dribble handoffs. So I was really hoping that that would force Embiid down onto the block. Um, mm-hmm. Then you get into problems with you know Simmons spacing, uh, Simmons spacing though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree um, with what you're saying, and I, I guess what Draymond's saying that you know he really just needs to be um, needs to be down on that block, man. Yeah. yeah, I don't. There's definitely nobody in the Celtics that can that can deal with his size, and I right. don't know too many people in the NBA that can can match up with him. Yeah. Well, looking forward, like I said, I think it's a three-team race. And I think uh, for me, I have Toronto and Boston ahead of Milwaukee. Um, really? Explain that. Yeah, not just for how they've looked. That's kind of how I felt almost all season. And I tweeted the other day and said that I, you know, uh, what I say? I can't remember. Anyways, forget that. I was, um, I've been I've been really on the Toronto thing for a little bit just because of the depth of that team. They can, you can, they can hit you from so many spots. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that... You know, Stevens can, is has a lot of potential to be able to game plan for Giannis. He's done it before, um, and and to me, you know, the Bucks go as far as Giannis goes, yeah. and Giannis hasn't shown me that he's the consistent playoff performer, and that he can close out series and win games. So to me, um, you know, I've seen Tatum do damage his rookie year in the playoffs, right? Um, yep. I've seen Jalen Brown do damage his his second year in the playoffs. So to me, it's just I, I take the experience and I take. The coaching, even though I love, I love, I love the Bucks coach. I can't think of his name right now. Budenholzer. Yeah, Budenholzer. I was going to say Budenhauser. Um, but, <laughs> Close um, enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just yeah. Um, but I just think that I like that they have a lot of weapons. And any night, it could be Kimba, it could be Jalen, it could be Tatum. And I think with the Bucks, it's literally how wherever Giannis takes you. Chris Middleton's not going to win you a game, no, no matter how good he is. So it's just my opinion. Historically, he shoots pretty amazing against the Celtics. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty annoying. Mm. But uh, <laughs> I, I do think that there's something to be said about. Um, I, I think that Giannis, maybe not in last year's conference finals, but I think that he, um, I think he performs pretty well in the in the playoffs. Um, I wouldn't put the Celtics above the Bucks. I, I, I have the Bucks coming out of the East for sure. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. For let, sure. Let me. No yeah, let, I was gonna say. Let me back up. Maybe not for sure, um, but they're they're my they're definitely my favorite to come out. Um, Toronto's mine, for sure. Yeah, it's really. For yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like I'm. If if I, I would put money on Toronto, man. Talk yeah. talk to me after this. Maybe we can set up a bet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, I just think that the Bucks are going to come out, man. I think that Giannis, um, <laughs> he's gonna, he's going to get away with about fifteen charges a game. That's true. Um, foul everybody out, especially on the Celtics, man. They just have nobody yeah. that can deal with that size and his length. Right. Um, but I, I, I give the Raptors and the Celtics a better chance than I did maybe five months ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, speaking of a three three team race, though, in the West it's looking like for the eight seed, it's also looking like a three team race. Uh, Spurs, Suns, and Blazers. I think the Pelicans are officially out uh, yep. after they lost just a few hours Kings ago. Are out. The Kings are out. Okay. Yep. So, so. where are the who actually holds the eight seed right now? Uh, uh, Memphis still holds it. Memphis still holds it. How many how many games are left? Four. Yeah, three or four. Three. Okay. Three. 
Um, but they're they're officially in play in. There's no way they could be four four ahead of the next team. So they'll officially have to play right now Portland. Gotcha. Um but if Portland loses, I think it's if Portland loses one more and Phoenix wins out, then they're in uh then Phoenix takes over Portland. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. What's your um what's your the Spurs are the same situation, I believe, as Phoenix. Okay. What's your uh what do you hope happens? I hope I hope that Phoenix gets in. Okay, um, but let's say for your for your eight non matchup for your play in, what do you hope happens? Oh I'd like to see Phoenix, I'd like to see Phoenix and uh the Blazers. I would too. Yeah, that's my I, that's what I hope for. I'd like to see Booker and Dame kind of go at it. Um mm. uh, obviously neither will check the other. And, and I mean, you know, I mean Dame might. He did come out and check Tatum the other night. But, yeah, he did. <laughs> but um <laughs> I just I really enjoy Booker. I've always been a Booker guy, especially being from Kentucky. Um and just seeing how good how great he's become really. Um and I think I sent you my top twenty five players whatever. I had him like thirteen or something like that. Um mm-hmm. so I mean I just have a lot of respect for Booker and what he's trying to do and what that Suns team is trying to do. And I think if they had I think if Baines was there, it wouldn't even be a question for me that they would win out um the rest of the way. I think that they still lack I mean with Sarge coming in to play in the backup big minutes right now. Um, you know, they really have only one true big on the team. And as much as the game is perimeter oriented, you know, you can't fill Aiton's role with Sarge's role. So. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I hope that the Suns end up with the eight seed because I'm afraid that um, if the Blazers only need one win against mm-hmm. the Suns, that there's really no chance for Phoenix. Um, yeah. I don't think they win two against the Blazers. Um, I really don't think that they win one against the Blazers either. I think Dame is going to go Dame Tom. Um, two games in a row, huh? I just want to bounce it out. Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, speaking of Dame, I mean, he just, you know, after everything that just happened. <laughs> got a little bit of beef going. Uh, he got a little 51-point game tonight. You know, a little <laughs> I'm, back. Sure, I'm sure everybody's uh, aware of the beef, but you want to explain it real quick? Yeah, so basically um, – Patrick Beverly had a lot to do on the Dame missed those two free throws um, to take the lead and or tie. Um, and Patrick Beverly did the Dame time and it was yelling and laughing. And um, Paul George was talking about how some people can talk trash and play and some can't and so on and so forth. And, and then what did he say on Instagram, man, about Dame? What Dame yeah. Cause Dame, yeah. No, Dame came, Dame came out and said that he, he said the reason they act like that is because I bounced Patrick Beverly a couple of years ago. He said and I bounced Paul George last year. Mm-hmm. And, and so then, he said it was all. I mean, he tried to say like it's oh it's all love like they they respect my game that's why you yeah. know blah blah. And then Paul George said something like oh you're getting bounced out this year. Like, yeah, here's, like, real quick. Emoji. Here's my thing with here's my thing <laughs> with Dame, bro. And Patrick Beverly said Cancun on three. <laughs> but but here's my here's my thing with Dame, man. Dame is in my opinion, one of the most self-aware players in the NBA. I think he recognizes his value more than anybody else does. Um, but I also think he walks the fine line between confident and cocky. And, I do too. You know, a lot of guys would take that question from the media and be like, man, F this, my, <laughs> I did this, this, and that. And he was like, they know what I'm capable of. And he was like, so you got to celebrate it, basically. Right. That I didn't do I, it. I don't know um, how he can respond better to that, personally. Right. And then... So Paul George basically like you getting bounced this year, and Dame was like keep switching teams, trying to. He you, said he said something about 
not wanting to be on the grind. You're running from the grind, yeah. Yeah, you're running from the grind, both y'all chumps. <laughs> <laughs> he said we're not talking to the media anymore. No. Um, um, I'm I'm full t- uh, team team Lillard on that one too. Yeah, I mean, here's um, my here's my thing with everything happening. Um, Paul George just first of all, he hasn't been out of the first round since 2014. Um, what's 2020? So <laughs> if anybody didn't know, <laughs> yeah, if, if you don't, if you didn't know, it's been six years. Um, Some dude going, just woke up from a coma. He's like, what? <laughs> Dang, man. I thought, the, I thought the Pacers were really on track, <laughs> but it was the Danny Granger injury. That's what got him. Where's, um, what's Roy Hibbert doing? <laughs> <laughs> he got paid how much by the Lakers? <laughs> what the hell do you mean? Coronavirus? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he so I, um, yeah, Paul George had him out of the first round in 2014. Um, he's played with Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony for a year. Didn't work. Then it was just him and Russ. Didn't work. Um, then he bounced to the Clippers with defending champion finals MVP Kawhi Leonard, one of the three best players in the world. Um, and Dame stayed true to who he is. And I think if you told me to pick a player, I would pick Dame every time. Um, for my team, especially to lead a team. I think, I think Paul George shies away from the, I'm the guy role. I mean, I think that's why he chose to play with a guy like Russ and a guy like Kawhi. I think he, I think it better fits his personality to be the number two. And there's nothing wrong with that either. No. Uh, but you have to be not. self-aware of that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at some point, you got to win, man. You know, if you're yeah. on a, a Thunder team with uh, Westbrook, um, you're you're in there with like pretty good Pacers teams back in the day. Um, and they got beaten five, right? So it's 4-1, right? I, I'm not confident enough to say. Okay, I'm almost positive it's 4-1, and I know the closeout game that Dame had 50. And then eyeballed you from 38 feet. Oh, yeah. So, I, yeah. Yeah. I think that was. I thought you were asking me about uh, Pacers and Heat back in the day. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Those games know, went, those went seven. Those yeah. Went seven. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure last year it did go five. Yeah. Um, so how do you even speak down to that guy? Like, he just 50 you and he just put you out of the playoffs on a bad shot. And the thing is, um, man, like, Dame totally took a bad question from the media because of you and your teammates' actions towards him. And like did the best he could with it, right? From the bench too. Like yeah. y'all aren't even on the floor. Like, right? I don't know. It's just frustrating, man. And I think, um, to me, I, I've always liked Paul George. And within two days, I don't like Paul George. Um, I mean, him talking about I always wanted to be a Clipper, not a Laker. But if you go back and listen to his interviews, he talks about how much he was always wanted to be a Laker. Right. Um, all stuff like that. You know, that that'll eat at a Lakers fan and. At some I point, like though, have, you, you got to realize, like PR, though, you know, you can't yeah, join the Clippers sure. and be like, I mean, I really wish I was a Laker, but you know, <laughs> everything was kind of full, and you know, yeah, <laughs> Kawhi hit I mean, me up. I, yeah, I got kind of scared. Uncle Dennis came through. <laughs> would I love to have Paul George on the Lakers? Of course, because he can play. I'm not, I'm not changing that or doubting that. But he, his resume doesn't really stand up to Dame's, in my opinion. Right. And um, I mean, yeah, he was on some good Pacers teams. Um, he copy and pasted Danny Granger's game and made it a little bit better. Um, but I just, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, Dane's got 50, 10, 50 point games in his career and Paul George has zero. So it's just like, you know, I'm just not a big. Just a certified weak move by, yeah, uh, just, by Paul George. I just think you have to be aware. Like you said, be self-aware of who you are and where you stand on the hierarchy of the NBA. And I get that it's competitive. And we're talking about Paul George a lot. Patrick Beverly got something to say to everybody. <laughs> and, and him, I don't mind as much because it's like, this is who he is. Exactly. You know what I mean? But I don't know Paul if Paul George has never really shown that. 
like yeah so i, I just i don't know why he spoke up there yeah but, but um yeah and then because of the wave did do what Definitely because of the wave when he waved him off. Uh, I mean, even the, yeah. oh, did you see the Clippers yeah. bench waving at Dame? I didn't see that. No. Yeah. So the Clippers bench was waving at Dame. Like that wasn't even your all's team. So what is right. your all's beef? <laughs> Dude, that wave is so sick, man. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it was unreal. The, in my opinion, that's the best game winner in league history outside of maybe Steph's and OKC. Dude, no, I don't think you can compare a. Um... To me personally, yeah, yeah, it just means so much more. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Kawhi's since it was Game Seven, yeah, um, and just the uh, who? Nah, were they giving nothing to Kawhi? We <laughs> yeah. bounced that thing in, yeah, but it went in, dude. You bounced it in. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, man, that that shot was so sick, though. Yeah, so sick. So I just, I mean, it was a lot of respect it, for Paul. It was George. a bad shot, but. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Statistically, statistically, like we said earlier, no, it was not. <laughs> yeah, shooting plus sixty percent from out there. Statistically, it's your free throw percentage in the playoffs, Paul. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's a pretty good shot, man. It's a really good shot, especially for Dame. I think it's the best deep ball shooter in the NBA. I think he's better than Steph at it. Um, so yeah, Dame, that, Is, what's thanks, what's the volume like? Pretty even, I would say, if not Dame shooting more of them. That's what Seriously. I was thinking. I thought those deep threes, I figured Dame probably uh, took a higher volume. Yeah, comfortably, all the time. Yeah, uh, and I guess the thing is, is that he doesn't, I mean, he has McCollum, but he doesn't have a, at the time, KD and Clay Thompson and just dogs out there, you know, Yeah. where the defense is more spread out and whatever. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's know, really just another example of the NBA being unnecessarily dramatic at another time. You know what I'm saying? It happens every couple of days. Oh yeah. So and you know what? I'm here for it too. Yeah, me too. I love it. And it's fun. I, I can't imagine if we got like the '90s back or late yeah. '80s. You know, and we're talking. We're we're sitting here doing a podcast about how we absolutely hate Bill Lambeer and how he's going to kill somebody. <laughs> like how Isaiah Thomas doesn't need to be oh, on the on the dream team. Yeah, ah, dude. <sighs> This just is. I mean, that's just a very dramatic league, and I think uh, it's just one of the stories that are developing in the bubble and will continue to cover. I, I hope that – and the craziest thing is that amongst the Clippers locker room, they're talking about how they hope the Blazers get the eight seed so they can play the Lakers. It's like, are you really that not – like that unconfident in yourself that you want somebody else to beat the Lakers so you don't have to deal with it? Like, Yeah, that's not a good look. No, it's not a good look at all. Like yeah. that—that's where you are. And the and the guy, there's only one guy on that team who has really all the reason in the world to be ridiculously confident, and that's Kawhi. And he's the only guy who doesn't say anything on that team. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't say anything. <laughs> no, he literally doesn't say anything. Um, there's been no Kawhi sound bits or clips of him saying anything about this whole situation. Yeah, we and just I'm got sure. a couple of him laughing. Yeah, that's, that's what all I'm we saying. got. <laughs> so. oh man oh man yeah so but i mean the other story that's been developing is and pretty quickly is the tj warren um the bubble he's been the best player in the bubble by a pretty wide margin actually man um him and book outside of that does it you know is it here to stay is this i mean obviously this isn't the plant that he's on but i mean are we looking at him as a, a better player next year because of this little run in the bubble. I guess it depends on what he keeps doing, right? I mean, I he's got to just be hot, right? He's always been able to score. Uh, right, yeah, but yeah. It, but this this level of scoring is 
not normal for people who aren't really considered even all-stars, you know, to come out and average 38 over a, what is it? Five, six games now with 60 plus percent shooting. Like, I mean, and he's daggering teams. Like he's putting teams away. Mm -hmm. And, uh, let's, let's, let me get his stats up. Go ahead and keep going. But yeah, I just think I can't base you getting the max salary off of what you do in a eight to 12 game span, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I'm not talking about him. Is, Is he even up for contract? I think so. Okay. Or maybe he has another year left after this. But regardless, I'm saying I can't – I'm not going to commit to him being this. I'm sure his confidence has gone up. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure that it'll help his game and maybe he can replace a role that I think Victor Oladipo may be gone next year anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something we were talking about before we went live. Um, dude, he's 26 years old. You yeah. Know? This is somebody that the Pacers can – build around or just have around for a while you know i don't know if many teams build around a stretch yeah let's have around for a while i'd say <laughs> um but so far in the bubble uh first game back against the 76ers 53 4 and 3 <laughs> uh next game wizards 34 <laughs> points uh 11 rebounds four assists magic 32 2 and 3 the suns he cooled off 16 points 11 rebounds one assist mm-hmm. and the lakers um just last night 39 points, five rebounds, one assist. I mean, his Man, shooting, the splits, dagger. shooting splits are good, too. Against the Sixers, 20 of 29. Wizards, 14 of 26. Against the Magic, 13 of 17. Suns, 7 of 20. And then the Lakers, 15 of 22. Yeah, to me, he's just hot. But, no, I don't expect this from him. Um, yeah. I refuse it. Maybe it's the – and I've talked about this before. Maybe it's the no crowd thing. Maybe it helps. I think it helps certain players. Maybe so. Yeah. Um, there's not near as much pressure when there's no crowd. So and if anything too, I mean, just this little boost of confidence could help him tenfold in his career, you know, like, yeah, he's going to come yeah. back to earth, but he's just going to have that, that memory and that, that confidence of like, yo, I, I know what I can do. Like I've done it before, you know? Yeah. Um, um, I don't know, man. I'm happy for him, you know, cause he got traded for a bag of chips. I am but, too. Yeah. You know, I'm on record from, from last year. I don't know why the Suns did that. I don't know why they wouldn't have wanted to keep him around. Yeah, um, I don't. Maybe they, he even really fits the age mold for them. Like twenty, he's twenty five when they traded him. Yeah, twenty five when they traded him. So I mean, yeah, I don't know if I understand it, but I don't um, understand it. The other guy <laughs> that's getting hot right now, uh, Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, and that's getting, that's the coolest thing about this bubble is that I've got to see a lot of young guys who didn't play during the season. Like Taylor Horton Tucker coming up and playing for the Lakers, um, and gotten to see like what his game really looks like. I can watch him play against the G League, you know, but mm-hmm. that's not great competition. Um, Bol Bol coming out and looking like he has real promise, especially if he stays healthy. Um, but nobody stood out more than Michael Porter Jr. And I think this is the first time we've got to see him in fullness. Like Denver just let him play mm-hmm. um, and let him go out. Did you hear the story about him? Uh... I'm not sure if it was that first game against the Heat that he had like 11 points or something, mm-hmm. um, but apparently he was texting Mike Malone and was like, "Hey, don't give up on me, you know, like that. That's not who I am. Like I, I'm, you know, I'm I'm really yeah. about this or whatever." And Malone was like, "No, man, I got you. Like I'm still with you." And then he came out the next day, dropped 37, 12 rebounds. Um, Terrific rebounder, man. Yeah, I mean, chases it, chases the ball. Like last last four games, thirty seven points, twelve rebounds, thirty points, fifteen rebounds, twenty seven points, twelve rebounds, twenty three points, eleven rebounds, and and it's playing minutes too. Yeah. Last game, forty five minutes played. I mean, but he needs to play that much. He's that much better than 
almost yeah. anybody in that rock, like outside of Jokic, and then he's not better than Jamal Murray yet. Um, well, he might be. I mean, <laughs> he might be. It depends but, on what he is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like we were talking about with TJ Warren. Just because Michael Porter Jr. is twenty two, doesn't mm-hmm. mean that we can say, oh, this is actually who he is. You know, right. it might just be him getting hot. That's. I mean, I was I was saying that back to you in in March or whatever when the the season stopped. I was like, you know, I don't know if Tatum's a thirty point per game right. score or a twenty five a game score. You know, like mm-hmm. just because they're young doesn't mean that when they have a stretch of good games that this is who they are. Yeah, you know, didn't Dame have like a nine-game stretch this year of like 50 and like 40-plus or something like that? It sounds like something Dame would do. Yeah, so <laughs> I mean, it just – and this is my thing, and, you know, I don't – I'm really not one to jump on something too early. Um, but I've hyped up Michael Porter Jr. since he came out of high school. Um, when we went to the NCAA tournament to watch Quentin play, Missouri played right after him, and I was begging my friends, I was like, we got to stay and watch him. Like, he's hurt, and he was hurt. He barely played. Um, but I just, you know, if you, if you know, Michael Porter Jr. And you've kept up with Michael Porter Jr. You know that, you know, he fits the, the modern NBA. what Michael Jordan say? The ceiling is the roof. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, I don't know too many more builds and, um, skill sets that you could want in a modern yeah. three man. Yeah. I, just, I mean, I, mean, I don't know a, if you could design a better, I mean, obviously you can get Katie a few inches taller, but I, two I guess inches taller, if that. I mean, Porter's what, 6'10? Yeah, Porter's 6'10. Probably a seven something wingspan. Can really shoot fluid shooting motion. Like, it doesn't look pressed. Um, he's great off the ball. Mm-hmm. Great rebounder. I mean, obviously, there's always What's his handle to like? take. Quality. Quality. Very quality. He's not going to be your main ball handler on a pick and roll, but you're not going to. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you don't look at KD and say, man, that's the best handles in the NBA. But for what his size is, you're like, wow, that's impressive. Right. Yeah. And you're not and, and, asking these dudes that are just professional scores to be your uh your main ball handler you exactly know? that's just not so, their role and asking yes. them to do that is just kind of i think probably detrimental mm-hmm. um just focus on but what you're able to do if i'm like i said it's a small sample size um and i've got to throw some names at you and the other guys in the group message the other day but i'm going to put you on record here um oh no don't hold me to this no, no, I am. That's why we're putting on a record. Um, no. Time stamps and everything. What are, you, what are you writing them down for? They're they're digital. <laughs> you can't hear, bro. Oh, man. Um, okay. So so if I held it, all right. So you have to make a decision today. You have to make <laughs> a decision. You're going to hold a gun to my head. Were you about to say that? No, maybe. <laughs> it okay. sounded like that's what you were going to say. <laughs> okay. So all these guys are in a vacuum. Okay. It doesn't matter to the plot of the team. You just have to pick one of them. Cool. To be the to be the better to be the better player in the next ten years. Okay. Okay. Is there, are we saying better player, more success, just any better player, better okay. player? Cool. So whatever you qualify as the better player is what you qualify. Okay. Um. So if I told you I had to go between Porter Jr. and Morant. Uh, Porter Jr. Oh. Okay. Porter Jr. and Zion. Um. They both got a lot of back or just a lot of injury trouble um, that mm-hmm. I'm nervous about. Um, mm, that's a tough one. Am I am I basing this just off this little bit that we've seen in the past bit? Is that fair to say right now? If that's what you think, it, I mean, it's just a prediction. It's okay, not okay. I, I can't they, I can't legitimately hold you to it. You know, I can't come uh, back yeah, in five obviously. years and be like, "Wow, you were an idiot, <laughs> dummy!" Like, dude, we haven't done the podcast in, in Are three you years. Stupid. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go Porter Jr. on that one, too. I'm basing okay. it off these last five games. Okay. Um, which we're assuming is just him scratching what the ceiling could be. You know? mm-hmm. You're right. Um, Porter Jr. Okay. So, Porter or Jalen Brown? 
Mm, yeah, Porter Jr. Okay, you're a smart man. Uh, Porter or Booker? Mm. The thing that's holding me up there is the the playmaking of Booker. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say Booker for right now. Okay, just because he's uh, he's been doing this. Porter or Trey Young? Porter. I knew you were gonna go Porter that way. <laughs> um, I think for me, I think like I said, it's in a vacuum, so I can't just say Trey. I think with the right team around Trey, I would I would keep Trey. Okay. Um, especially with the direction the the league is going, and he is already one of the best playmakers in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, you can make a real case that he was the second best point guard in the NBA this year, if not the best, um, in a sense of what his individual statistics were. I mean, you can't just come up with twenty eight ten, you know? Right. Um, so, to, you know, I think Trey's already really good, and I think he's going to get a lot better um, efficiently. Um, and I think uh, I, I think I would take Jaw. No, I think I would take Porter Jr. over Jaw in 10 years. Because you and I are both firm believers and you have to have, it's important to have a dominant wing to be really yeah. successful. Yeah, that's what so. I was just about to go into. You're, having a dominant one makes you an exciting playoff team. Having mm-hmm. a dominant three makes you a contender, Yeah, in my opinion. More often than not. Right, yeah. There's there's yeah. outliers, there's anomalies, but. Yeah, I can't think of many of them though. Yeah, you know when you mention it that way. <laughs> Seriously, uh, think of. Can you um, think of the last one that didn't? Um, I guess it was like '80s Lakers. I mean, James Worthy. Yeah, but, Johnson six nine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying though. Yeah, he's, he's yeah he's a point guard though. That's what I'm saying. Um, so it's just like different league back then too. I mean, they did also have Kareem. So yeah, <laughs> I mean the Pistons, Tayshawn Prince, like they're not. You know, it's not the greatest. But yeah, it's a, yeah, it's yeah, a that's, serviceable. Yeah, that's good as well yeah. um those uh earlier um spurs teams um kind of yeah. around more more duncan yeah. and ginobili parker mm-hmm. um before i guess before 14 or whatever yeah i mean lakers had kobe uh, uh i guess you could say the 11 mavericks yeah i mean that was just a great team they yeah yeah a- so i mean there's anomalies because hey, yeah, i also count sure. like 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 you mentioned kobe I mentioned the or I, I count the two as kind of yeah. I mean, if he's well. taller, then he's he's you know he's that three. It's man. just the wings, like yeah. like the Warriors yeah. had Clay. Yeah, yeah, Clay, yeah. Clay's a wing. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about bubble wise? What's going on right now? Bubble wise, uh, Pelicans. I don't really have a lot to say about the Pelicans. I think that they looked from the beginning like they didn't want to be there. Uh, yeah, that's how I feel too, man. Looked like they didn't want to play defense. Um, <laughs> I think they I wanted just, a reason not to play Zion as soon as possible. Oh, you think so? You think this yeah. was a, an inside job? I think it was them gen- genuinely not wanting him to play. I don't think he's all the way there in his health. Um, he looks he he's in my opinion he is a hundred percent plus three hundred right now, um, weight wise. So I just think that he's got some health concerns that they want to address, and there's no reason. And if he's out there, he competes. And I like that about Zion. He's always going, um, and I'm sure it was killing him to not play the minutes he thinks he deserved to play. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm glad you said that. Mm-hmm. I had no idea if you were still here. I was usually there's like two or three more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was I was upset. I think to see them not really put their full effort into it. Um, I think Zoe was terrible uh, shooting the ball. He's always a good defender. He's a great team defender. Uh, uh, Bi was pretty good for most of the time. KD even tweeted. He said number 14 is different. I appreciated that. Yeah, I saw that tweet too. Uh, yeah. Um 
but this is I, th- I think they didn't want to be there. I think they played a lot of their young guys a lot more than they usually would. So yeah, I, th- I think it was hey, we can get another lottery pick, you know. Yeah, um, and you know, I and, mean, from a uh, from a long term perspective, maybe that's the best thing. You know, they're not going anywhere in the playoffs. Exactly. So let's get another pick. Yeah. Let's get healthy and let's you know um, get back together and get to work. I guess. By but, the way. I need to put a public service announcement out there. Okay, go ahead. As a Lakers fan, the team I want to play the the least is the Blazers. But I want to make it clear that I'm not scared of the Blazers. Oh, you're terrified of the Blazers. No, we'll you're we'll so the, scared of Dame. There's Tom. a good chance we beat the Blazers in five. Dame Tom terrifies no, you. Not scared at all. You're afraid that LeBron's gonna look down at his wristwatch and it's gonna say Dame Tom. <laughs> all right. He's just daydreaming like he's just yeah. in a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, it is what it yeah. is, but I just wanted to put that is out Jared there. Is Jared Dudley still there? He looks like a guy that would carry a pocket watch. He takes it out, <laughs> flips it open. Guess what it says? Dame time. Jason, K- Jason, Jason Kidd is definitely a pocket watch kind of guy. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, somebody was tweeting at me. I just wanted to bring this up real quick. One of my friend's dads, he likes to bother me about the Pacers, and he's like, what's the excuse for not beating the number four seed in the East? And I said, well, at one point in the first half, we had Horton Tucker. Jared Dudley and Quinn Cook on the floor all at the same time. <laughs> I said, so if you think we're trying to win and putting our all into it, you are mistaken. <laughs> and I think it's important to get those guys minutes, especially Horton Tucker and Cook, because you never know what injuries happen in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And there's got to be guys that have to understand your defensive rotations, what the speed is like out there in the, in the, in the real game. So, I mean, Quinn Cook's played, you know, he's, he's been a part of big series and I'm sure he's played stints, but, and you know, you could take that a step further. Dude, these guys are professionals. Like, yeah, everybody out there is good at basketball. Is for sure very, very good at basketball. You know, like those yeah. things just happen. the The best team in the league can lose to the worst team in the league mm-hmm. on any given night. They could get blown out by the worst team in the league. It just happens. You know, like yeah. basketball, you can get hot. So, yeah, um, yeah I don't like those types of arguments. Uh, in, in football, you can kind of hold that to people where I guess it's just one game a week. It's right. like, oh, what happened? You know, you guys got stomped. Um, but in basketball it just happens yeah you know yeah playing 82 games Mr. Biscay Mr. Biscay threw four touchdowns against y'all I don't know it was just a bad week yeah (laughs) it just got hot (laughs) really your linemen got dump trucked the entire game (laughs) they're just hot like (laughs) yeah so it just is what it is but um I think that's all I have for the bubble shout out RIP to JJ Reddick and his 13 year streak of making the playoffs man that makes me sad because yeah. I like JJ Reddick, and you know, I actually was thinking about bringing up to you uh, if you guys could get somehow your, get your hands on JJ Reddick, um, and then I saw you tweet about it just not long ago. They yeah, were, somebody said if you could <laughs> trade Danny Green for JJ Reddick, would you do it? And I laughed. Like, <laughs> like, what type of question is this? Like in a heartbeat? Excuse me, LeBron's throwing the ball to JJ Reddick. That's scary. <laughs> yeah, that's scary even, to me. It's not even debate for me. Something else came up today, and it, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but the. Lakers have 38 million in expiring contracts coming up. So after this year, they'll have one year contracts, 38 million in contracts. The Spurs owe DeRozan $27 million next year. I don't, they don't plan on keeping it. Bradley and Danny Green both expire next year. We could, we could trade them those two and a pick and get DeRozan. It works Mm -hmm. for both sides. They get to clear up the cap space. They want to move forward how they want to move forward. And we get the third piece that we feel like we probably need. So, just throwing it out there. It's interesting. I don't know how hype you should be with DeRozan, but um, I mean, he's been the Spurs point guard. He's played a lot of power forward for him in the bubble. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
So, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with him. And I don't, you know, it's DeRozan. It's not like, Hey, DeRozan come off the bench, but if he could come off the bench, really? Yeah. He ain't going to do that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying, yeah. You know, AP, they said I'm gonna come off the bench. <laughs> oh, shout out Carmelo, man. But he's also played really well. In yeah, I was about to say, dude's been hooping, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's coming from a guy who was like, I have no interest in him being on the Lakers. But if you told me right now I could have Carmelo or J.R. Smith, I would take Carmelo. So, and I would take him over Kuzma. So, <laughs> any day of the week. <laughs> but yeah um i think that's all i had for the bubble you good yeah i think i'm good i think that covers it cool so this is something i'm really excited about i actually pitched this to noah at my bachelor party and i think he forgot about it i don't remember at all i mean it was uh yeah i it had in- in- ingested some things <laughs> at that point i don't know I, I really have no idea when you're talking about that you told me okay so we were at top golf sitting on the left side of the table it was you me and khalil and i was t- i was telling you all about it and then khalil was like that's a great idea and you were like yeah <laughs> was like, i was like sweet we're all on board uh, fast forward here we are um so so we're starting and we're just doing 2010 up to now um so regardless of where it's at whether it's on this podcast or whether it's on youtube which is where we're aiming for and what we're trying to do um it'll be a a 10 episode because the 10th one we're going to do a mock draft because mm-hmm. that'll be right around the time that the draft is actually taking place so that'll be nice um be fun yeah so but before we get started, there's a couple of things I want to say about this draft. I'm going to do it with every draft moving forward. Um, we're going to grade it, just a letter grade, however you want to grade it, um, just based off some information. So in this draft, and this is, if we're saying 1984, which is the Michael Hakeem Barkley draft, you know, that's, I think that was what, Stockton as well? I couldn't tell you. Um, probably. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, probably in that range. Um that draft's at A++. It's the best draft in NBA history. You say 96, Kobe, Iverson, Nash, Ray Allen, those guys, you know, that's at A+. 03, so on to 2000, which is just an F-. minus. Right. Um, the worst draft in NBA history. Nobody relevant's ever come out of that draft. So, moving on to 2010, we're going to grade this draft based off of some stats and who's in the draft. So, when you look at it, there are 20 guys who average 20 or, 20 or more minutes. Which means to me, there were 20 guys who were actually rotation players in this draft out of the how many get drafted? 60, whatever? Two uh, rounds. Yeah, 60, um, 60, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, and then there are four guys in the draft playing 30 plus minutes, which means there were four guys who were legitimate starters in the NBA. Um, 10 who averaged double digit scoring, um, two who averaged 20. There were four all stars. And. Paul George was the point leader in this draft, or is right now, by 1,000 points. John Wall is the assist leader by 2,000 assists, and Cousins is the leading rebounder by 700, which would probably still be around that 1,000 number if he played the last two years. Right. Um, so, with all that said, there's and just some, let's yeah, also there's some s- things. Go ahead. Let's also say that we're, we're basing all of our, our redrafts um, off of their career as a whole, not where they yeah. are today in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um. And then I think whenever we grade the draft, um, it should go a little bit different and it should be based more around uh, the quality of players that they had rather than yeah. maybe what they're... Obviously, you got to take in what they did um, and like you said, mm-hmm. the point totals and stuff. Uh, but when grading the draft, I think it should go into, hey, where were all these guys at their peaks? Because um, yeah. you know, not everybody has the same duration. Not everybody has the yeah. same durability. 
and we're just redrafting the lottery um, just because, you know, usually a draft doesn't have more than 14 or 15 guys who are really relevant. Um, and then the other thing to remember is that when we're grading the draft, though, we're grading it in its totality because the numbers I just gave you were the draft in its totality, not just the guys who are on our list. Um, there's a couple storylines, though, that are really interesting. Um, you know, like the Wesley Johnson and uh, Ekp Udo, who got drafted before <laughs> Paul George, <laughs> who got drafted before um, a lot of guys, really, who were, you know, Eric Bledsoe's of the world, Gordon Hayward. And so it was just like, Two really disappointing guys. Uh, Wesley Johnson was a Laker at one point. I was actually excited when we got him because I was like, "Oh, three and D." He was not. He was. He was. He was bench and bench. He was terrible. Um, and then the other thing is Larry Sanders, who, although he didn't make my list, my my lottery. Um, if he had continued to play, I think he definitely would have been there, um, around that ten to fourteen range. So. I think his injury, I can't, I can't remember why his career was cut short. I should have looked into it while I was waiting for you to come back from showing people your um, military-grade weapons. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but, and then, like I said, there's this question mark, Landry Fields. And the craziest thing, and it's the biggest what-if about this, is that um, the Warriors could have gone Steph 2009, Paul George 2010, and Klay Thompson 2011. Um, obviously that's assuming that Paul George doesn't have an immediate impact for them, which he didn't in the NBA anyways as a rookie. Yeah. Well, let's just say for simplicity's sake. Yeah. For simplicity's sake, 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 you could have had (laughs) those three guys. (laughs) 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 Oh yeah. So they could have had those three guys right in a row. And, um, that would have been probably a little bit of an earlier start on their already pretty rich history since they drafted Steph. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. I just want to move into it and we're going to go pick for pick. So one one of us will go one, one of us will go two. Which one do you want? Uh, I'll, I'll go first. That's cool. Are, cool. Are, are, so, okay. My, my first round pick um, would be Paul George, obviously. Uh, um, I don't think there's much debate on that. Yeah. So Paul George, if you look at his numbers, he's six time all-star, uh, two time, all defensive first team, two time, all defensive second team. He's a four time, all NBA third team member. And he's a one time first team, all NBA guy. Um, from an award standpoint, he's far and away better than anybody in this draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say as, and I will say as a player and Paul George is my number one as well, but I actually did battle between him and John Wall for a little bit. Cause I think, you know, and and I think this is goes for John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. And I told you about this earlier is that if we played their career out a hundred times, um, we change where they get drafted to, they change the injuries they suffer. Um, so just the luck of the draw for them. I think that this is both of one of the worst scenarios yeah. that could have pulled out for either of them. You, you got to just think um, about DeMarcus Cousins in, uh, in Sacramento for all those years yeah. and all the crap that he had to go through. Yeah. And then he finally goes to a team where he's playing with Anthony Davis, a team that could really compete. And he tears his uh, whatever he tore, his Achilles, right? Yep. So it's just, you know, they're just the, the look of the draw wasn't there for him. And I think individually, I think Boogie might have been the best player out of these three um, at his peak. Um, I think I would have taken Boogie over Paul George. And I think I may have taken John Wall over Paul George peak for peak. Mm-hmm. But that's hey. why we look at the whole body of work. Because when you take these guys, you're taking them for your franchise for this duration of their career. And Paul George has offered more to a franchise over his 10-year career than wall and boogie have yeah i mean so. he's still he's still got some time left too you know oh for sure he's still got plenty of years um so yeah to be as much as we just dogged on him <laughs> a little oh, bit ago him. yeah um 
he, he's still going to be um, contributing yeah. quite a bit for a while. So, Oh, yeah. He'll be an all-star, all-NBA guy for at least another three to four years, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, so, uh, so I got the second pick. And so that means Paul George went to the Wizards, which mm. would have been a terrible place for him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe later on, once we get done with all this series, then we can go into like a alternate universe where we look at. Oh yeah. Like that. that could be fun. Yeah. Um, so number two, I'm going with John wall. Um, pretty easily actually. Um, uh, I think, I think he was clearing John, away the best player in college basketball that year. Before yeah. Coming in. Um, uh, it's hard to say because there's those upperclassmen who always have like good college years. But if you're looking for who's the best college player that's going to be great in the NBA as well, I think Wall yeah. was the easy decision. Yeah. Um, and Wall's career right now, he's a five-time All-Star, um, one-time All-NBA third team, which was surprising. I thought he would have had a couple more than that. Um, one-time All-NBA defensive second team. But these are the two things that – these are the numbers right here that really got me and almost put me – had me put him over Paul George. Um. His last year in the playoffs, he was 27, 10, and 4 on 47% shooting. Mm. And then the year before that, he was 26, 12, and 6. Just those playoff numbers really stick out to me, and they are pretty on par with what uh, Paul George's are, you know? And from an average standpoint, I think his are a little bit better. I think he was 21, 9, and 4 for his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's only been in four playoff appearances. So obviously, that's a little watered he's, down. Uh, compared to- he's 19. 19- 19, 9, and 4 for his career. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, you know, peak for peak, I think, like I said, he's right there with Paul George. Yeah. Um, and he obviously stepped up in the playoffs statistically every year. And you got to watch him play Boston. He was really good, really, really good in that series. Yeah, yeah. I remember him hitting that uh, that game winner, uh, yeah, game six. John, John up for Bill, and he just took it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then so, yeah. We, we know what happened in game seven. Yeah. Oh, Kelly Olenek, Maple Dick. Came out and did his thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's okay. So number three, it's on you. You're on yeah, the clock. Um, I got Demarcus Cousins. Um, yeah. I, I'm. I, before before I get into this too, Justice had all this stuff prepared. I did this about an hour and a half ago, uh, <laughs> right before we did this. That long weekend, so I'm kind of all over the place. But I find it really interesting that Demarcus Cousins didn't go number two that year. And I don't know if people had, um, or just scouts uh, in front offices had a hesitancy to put two guys from the same college team back to back um, that early on. I, well, I don't, didn't, they didn't hesitate to Michael K. Gilchrist and they should have. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But um, so I don't know if that played into it. Cause when I mean, you got Wesley Johnson, Derek favors and Evan Turner beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, those, all three of those guys had, some time in the league, um, especially if you discount Wesley Johnson. I mean, those guys are still doing their thing, I guess. Evan Turner and Derek Favors, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I don't think it's a question though about where Demarcus Cousins fits in. Um, mm-hmm. I think, as you were talking about earlier, I think maybe there's a a world where Demarcus Cousins is number one, just as much as John Wall is number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, really, if you look into some of the other stats. Um, if you look at, at their uh, VORP, their value of a replacement player, uh, Cousins is a 21.1. John Wall is a 23.6. So, I mean, it's it's right there. Um, their win shares. John mm-hmm. Wall has a 44.3. DeMarcus Cousins has a 44.1. Um, 
Um, I mean, you know, yeah. Cousins is on that that Sacramento Kings team that just sucks and just made yeah. bad organizational decision after bad organizational decision. For sure. Um, he's far and away, it looks like, the the leader in rebounds um, in, in that year's draft um, and actually has more points as well than John Wall. Obviously, yeah. the assists aren't even close, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think it could go... I think you could move DeMarcus Cousins around a lot. Uh, Barring on him being healthy for his career and right, not being exactly. in Sacramento. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like I, and this is my thing. So we have to take these players for what they are and what they've accomplished. If I was to put these guys in a vacuum. Um, yeah, know, that changes a lot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I need everybody to keep that in mind. We're not just saying, hey, if everybody's skill for skill, <laughs> this is who, who they've been and what they've turned out to be and developed into and what they've meant to a franchise. Mm-hmm. So... Paul George has easily the most playoff success in this whole draft, uh, even though he hasn't been out of the first round since 2014. <clears throat> so, anyways, <laughs> I think uh, I have the number four pick, and I think pretty easily it's Gordon Hayward. Um, there's really no debate for anybody else to me. Um, I, I haven't really followed Gordon Hayward a lot through his career. Uh, you know, when he went to Boston, I was fresh off of making his first All Star game, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, a Western you know, All Star game. Yeah, Western Conference All-Star game, which is not easily done. Yeah. Um, ask Damian Lillard about that. Ask Devin Booker <laughs> about that, you know. <laughs> so, um, obviously he was, at that point, you know, one of the 20 best players in the NBA. Um, maybe 25. But, so yeah. I mean, you can't say that for a lot of guys on this list. Uh, it's probably just the first four that you could really say that about. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's not a lot of elaboration for me. He's a one-time All-Star. Um, I don't think he'll ever be an All-Star again. And that's just because the league continues to grow and the young guards and um, the young forwards, it's really hard to find a place in those games. But I think he'll contribute yeah. to really good teams for another couple of years, especially if he's healthy, which he's come around to be for Boston. I'll let you elaborate on it because you're a Hayward stan. So. <laughs> yeah, I am a Hayward stan. Uh, I think he just makes winning play after winning play. Um, yeah. I think even last year when he was really struggling, like he was still just – he wasn't – a total detriment to the team, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he'd make the right pass. He'd do what he can or what he could, excuse me. Um, I th- I obviously, you know, that horrible ankle injury really just took a lot of his first step quickness away. You can tell too. Now, whenever he's playing, um, he's just kind of hesitant to jump, uh, as high as he can, you know? Um, yeah, he just doesn't really look like the same <clears throat> player with that being said, you know, I, I don't have, uh, his current stats in front of me, but he's averaging pretty mm-hmm. good. I mean, he he just had a twenty-eight or thirty-point game tonight. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he is he's really, I think, the X factor for the Celtics this year, and can continue to be an X factor for um, competitive teams for a long time yeah. to come. I I think that he accepts his player option this coming year, and then after that, I hope the Celtics can retain him uh, for a mm-hmm. reasonable contract because I mean, he's he's that valuable. Yeah, to me at least. Uh-huh. Um, looking at his his advanced statistics. Uh, his win shares is a 53.3. Um, yeah, which, I mean, you look at guys like John Wall, you know, that's 10 points above. Um, the only one mm-hmm. that compares with Paul George, 69.9. Um, and Derek Favors at 53.5. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. Right. Uh, Gordon yeah. Hayward, his VORP, uh, which is a pretty good stat, actually. Yeah. Um, 20.7. So, I mean, he's right there with DeMarcus Cousins on his career. Yeah. Um, so... I think that whenever he was really athletic, you get a really smart, um, big wing 
that's just always going to make the right uh always going to make the right play and is super coachable um and doesn't mm-hmm. have a big ego so yeah there's not a lot of guys i think that could be uh in the situation that he was in uh, with the leg injury and then last year and this year um and would work out the same way that it did you know yeah so yeah i had gordon um, hayward at four as well awesome all right so we're, we're the same through four right now yeah and then after four i just want to preface it with this too it's kind of all over the place for me you could ask me tomorrow and my list could mm-hmm. look completely different five through 11 five through 12 yeah. so i'm pretty stuck to mine but i also like i said i prepped for this um, and I had time to prep for this. With so me being in quarantine right now, all I have is time to do anything. So <laughs> I played Madden 25 just yesterday. So, <laughs> so yeah, you're on the clock and get number five. Uh, number five, I've got Eric Bledsoe. Um, and I know that's kind of a spicy pick, especially with his uh, playoff performances and no, I agree big with game performances. But um, I think that he's still a pretty good player. Um, you look at his VORP, it's an 18.5. His win share is 42.5 on his career. Um, his per game totals, 14.2, 4.8 assists, uh, and four total rebounds. I mean, he's just a good guard. Um, whether Almost it's, made an all-star bid this year and last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, has found a way into a competitive spot in the league. Um, and that's why I placed him so high. That's why I put him at five, um, solely on the fact that he is still competitive at this point in his career. Um, and he's an all-defensive guy. He made the all-defensive team last year. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Bledsoe is really, really is one of the best guard defenders in the NBA, and I think sometimes he doesn't get that light because nobody in Milwaukee does except for Giannis and Middleton, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I think there's a lot of guys that deserve a lot of credit. That's a really good team, and Bledsoe is a really big part of that. Um, Bledsoe was also my fifth, and I had no hesitation. Uh, Bledsoe was a five for me easily. I, nobody else even got consideration for me. So... I think um, there's guys statistically you could say match up like, you know, white sides in here somewhere and guys like that. But when I watch you play and I watch how you impact the game, um, Bledsoe, I'd much rather have Bledsoe than white side on my team. So, um, especially in a guard driven NBA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I'm on the clock at number six and I think this will come to a, a surprise for a lot of people once they hear some other names. Um, but we have at number six. I want Avery Bradley. Um, not Laker Avery Bradley. Um, more around <laughs> Celtic Avery Bradley, <laughs> but Avery was just um a guy who got to the nitty gritty. Like he was, he was ready to defend and ready to defend whoever was out there. And uh, statistically, he doesn't jump off the page, and nobody really does the rest of the list. Uh, I think at this point, it's just all about your preference in a player. Yeah, I think so too. And I, th- I think Avery's really underrated in the pick and roll in the sense of I can make a decision and usually make the right one. Um. The Lakers have really put him in some spots to do that, which I really appreciated about his game is that, you know, he d- he does that dribble handoff with LeBron that turns into a role with Dwight or AD, and he makes the right decision nine out of ten times. Um, like I said, he's just a great on-ball defender and also a really good team defender, and he makes a lot of the plays that a lot of guys in the NBA don't make anymore. So yeah. Avery was at six for me. Um, just a hair, just a hair over Whiteside, but yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I did not have Avery Bradley at six. Um, mm-hmm. Real quick, we can jump into some of his advanced statistics. Um, he had a negative 0.7 VORP, um, which that changes a little bit whenever you're, uh, um, I guess, more of an, in a guard situ- situation. Um, yeah. And then and then uh, his win shares um, is 16.2 over his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I like what you said. I mean, there was a point um, 
in maybe 2016 where, I mean, he's one of the better, if not best, um, on-ball guard defenders in the NBA, in yeah. my opinion, whenever he's playing for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't make number six for me pretty much because of his longevity. I think he's really taken um, quite a few steps away from what he was um, yeah. at his peak. And he's also kind of small for a two-guard, which I think is his uh, more preferable uh, position. Mm-hmm. And that may just be the Celtics fan and me remembering wherever he played the two. Because um, He's only played the two. It has he? I didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. I know there was some talk of him maybe being at the one um, with the Lakers or something. Maybe I'm making that up. But um, at, six, I mean, I, at six, I had uh, Hassan Whiteside. Did you want to jump in real quick before I moved on? No, you're good. So what? So that means you're taking Whiteside at seven now? I took – oh, okay. I, I thought we were changing um, – um, no, 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 no. So if you have the seventh pick, you're taking Whiteside because you okay. have him six. Gotcha. Yeah. Then I then yeah, I'm taking Whiteside. Uh, if okay. we a lot of that, um, maybe it's because he was a second round pick. You know, he's picked 33. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I just kind of like that that he's gotten through. Um, I actually didn't really realize he was from the 2010 draft. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I just I thought he was younger. But um, uh, on his career, 45 uh, win shares, 13.2 VORP. Um, just a, a big, huge dude that can grab boards and, and be a good defensive center. Um, he's definitely taken some steps back too in the past couple mm-hmm. of years, especially that little thing he had going on with Miami. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I liked him at six or seven, excuse me. Uh, just because, um, I guess his, uh, his defensive presence, um, and just his longevity, especially for a big man. I think that's kind of rare. Yeah. He's still, up well, there, so longevity in the league he's only played six years in the nba um in a sense of like being rostered and playing meaningful minutes okay Um, that's fair the basketball reference got it as eight but if you if you Mm -hmm. throw the meaningful minutes in then yeah um but still that's 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 a lot more than you know a lot of guys drafted oh for sure pick 33 um my thing with Whiteside is and you know as a d wade guy i got to watch Whiteside a lot and Whiteside can block shots, but he, at default, he chases he chases blocks and gets out of position a lot. Um, but statistically, you know, he's so much better than the rest of the list that I can't really argue it, you know. Um, and I had him at seven, right behind Bradley. Um, I do like Whiteside for the clip when they told him D-Wade was getting traded back to Miami. He was like, y'all joking? And he was like, no. He's like, D-Wade. <laughs> he said, that. He said, I'm, he said, I'm going to get some lobs. <laughs> so... He said, I like those lobs. So I, I think Whiteside's hilarious. Um, I, I'm, you know, he's been – to fill Nurkic's shoes is not easy for what he was to Portland, but I think Whiteside did a measurable job um, this season. So, yeah. Um, and I think 8 through 14, I don't know if we need a whole lot of elaboration. Like I said, I think it's just preference. Uh, but number eight, um, I'm taking Greg Monroe. I think uh, it was between him and Derek Favors who – I used to actually get confused all the time, those two guys, especially on 2K. <laughs> uh, I think their games are eerily similar. Um, I just think Greg Monroe had a much better early production, and I think that he's the better player now. So, yeah. Okay. I, mean, I don't have a lot of debate for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're, let's see. I didn't know if Greg Monroe was still playing around or not. Um, yeah, I had, um, I guess now I'm pick eight. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I had Derek Favors uh, above Greg Monroe, but just by one spot. So mm-hmm. I guess now at eight, I would be taking uh, Derek no, Favors. You're, no, you're at nine, actually. I'm at nine. Gosh, a, man, I can't keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, 
Okay, yeah, then uh yeah, I'm taking Derek Favors then. Mm-hmm. Um he was originally third. Uh he's got God, he's got a fifty three point five win share. Um, wow. on his career. I didn't know that. I think he's just uh um uh, just dependable um mm-hmm. just throughout his career. He's definitely on, on the downturn for sure, pretty noticeably. Uh, for the you Falcons, had, but you had Monroe over Favors, right? I did not. No, I had Favors. Oh, you did over Favors Greg over Monroe. Monroe. Okay. Yeah, just because uh, I think his his longevity, I think his mm-hmm. peak was a little bit later, um, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but I think yeah. at his peak, I think uh, Favors was a little bit better. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think it's just a toss up between those guys. Um, I do too. So now, yeah. So now it's me at ten, and at ten, I'm taking. Uh, Lance Stevenson. And um, statistically, Lance doesn't jump off the page. But when you got to watch him play and you saw the impact he had in Indiana, um, not so much later in his career, but even even last year for the Lakers, he was not bad at all. Um, it was still actually a pretty decent team defender. He is a much better playmaker than he's ever been given credit for. He's good in the pick and roll. Yes, he takes questionable shots, as almost every NBA player does now. Um, I just think that you know, it came down between him and Evan Turner for me. And I think peak for peak, I would take Lance. And I think uh, Lance just offers a little bit more on the floor, especially with the fact that he can shoot the ball. And uh, Turner really can't. Yeah. So, yeah. I think that um, Lance is a really um, – I, th- I think that where he can shine is really dependent on where he's at. I think he really, mm-hmm. really um, – you just look at, you know, 2015, 2016 – uh, that I guess that would be his peak year. Um, yeah. at least statistically it would be, um, but you can even think about, um, when he joined back with Indiana that year, I mean, his stats don't jump off the page at you either, but I, I have a lot of memories of Lance Stevenson, um, yeah. from both stints in Indiana. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I actually had Lance Stevenson at 10 as well. Awesome. Um, number 11, um, I actually went with Patrick Patterson at 11, uh, Oof. rather than Evan Turner. Okay. Yeah. Um, I looked at his win shares, 30.4. He's got a 7.2 VORP. Um, and, I mean, he's the same way. Stats aren't really jumping off. I think he, he peaked at uh, 11.6 points a game. Uh, I, didn't even, I don't really remember him playing in Houston that much. Um, yeah. But um, I don't know, man. At, at this point, like you said, it's kind of a toss-up. Yeah. Um, I was really having a hard time deciding between him or Evan Turner. Mm-hmm. Um maybe maybe just what i thought evan turner should have been at yeah. pick number two maybe that blindly influenced it mm-hmm. um but yeah i had i had uh patrick patterson at 11 i love p-pat uh, but i had i had p-pat at 14 um uh, he was the last pick in my lottery um at so i'm at 12 mm-hmm. so at 12 i'll take evan turner then um that's right yeah i had i have turner at 12 as well yeah so I had him at 11, but with you taking Patrick, I'll take him at 12. Um, I just think Evan was and still is actually a really good playmaker. Um, can really run can really run an offense for somebody, just not as well as he used to be able to because now the floor is more spread out, and you never want to have a ball handler who just can't shoot, you know, um, a la Ben Simmons, the reason they're trying to move him to the four, things like that, you know. Right. Um, I think Turner just offers a lot. He was a, he was a good defensive guy for a long time. I think he was really important to the Trailblazers and their success there for a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I just like, I like Evan Turner. I think he fits into a lot of places. So 
that's yeah. my yeah. that's my choice. And like I said, if it, if he shot if he shot anything close to what Lance Stevenson shoots like, then I would have given him the edge. But yeah, that's yeah. fair. Um, if you look at their peaks, I mean Evan Turner, um, his uh, thirteen fourteen season in Philly. Mm-hmm. I mean he's he's averaging seventeen and a half points a game. Uh, yeah, six rebounds and almost four assists. So wow, but but his his downturn really 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 hits hard. Yeah, the next season, I don't did something happen in there or I don't know because uh, well it looks like that next season he only has twenty seven games played for the Pacers. Yeah. Uh, but next season seven point one points uh, before he went to Boston. So um, that kind of played into it for me. His win shares on his career uh, are pretty good, twenty point two, but his warp mm-hmm. um, isn't great. It's a point five. Again, he's a he's a three man, so there's a lot of competition there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like Evan Turner at twelve. That's where I had him as well. Uh, okay. At thirteen, I put uh, Al Farouk Aminu. Um, okay. Don't have a lot of reasoning behind it. Uh, <laughs> I just think that yeah. he's still. Um, I, I had he's... him at twelve, so you're good. Okay. Yeah. I I I think he's just still contributing. Um, I think he'll can, can continue to contribute for a few more years, maybe. Um, Dame Dame speaks really highly of Alfred Camino. Yeah, um, and his time with the Blazers. So, yeah, that's fair. Uh, if we yeah. want to get into his advanced statistics for anybody that I don't know, I didn't want this to become a big thing, but six point six VORP, twenty seven point five uh, win shares. If so. you don't know what VORP is, is value over replacement player. It's basically them taking that player to and replacing them with like the the median for the NBA. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so you took him at 13. Mm-hmm. So that means at 14, which means Patrick Patterson is not getting drafted for me, but he did get drafted for you. Um, at 14, I'm taking Ed Davis, um, which I think is actually kind of a shame that he fell this low. Ed Davis is statistically for per 36, one of the best rebounders in the NBA. Yeah. Um, even, even now, uh, I think if he, he didn't really get much clock anymore, but when he gets in there, he crashes boards. Um, undersized big was way, way more built to play the four in the early 2000s than he was to play the five in the 2010s um which is just unfortunate of you know your era and where you are um, yeah. but i think i think ed was really productive for a good amount of time um uh, he was a good defender even though undersized um i just like ed he's a good finisher around the rim he's got good hands um ed is one of my go-to draft picks in two kegs he's got that silver rebound chaser so he 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 crashes boards on there too so um ed for me and then like i said i had patrick patterson at 14 who fell off of my board at that point yeah um looking at ed davis's uh advanced stats his win shares is a 41.7 that's really interesting another thing you mentioned uh just the era it's it's really cool to look at the 2010 draft because you can really see where Around this time is where the shooting really. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's like the the genesis of the modern NBA, right? <laughs> yeah, you basically. know what I mean. Yeah, so you you can really see that a lot of these guys that should have been great, uh, maybe four or five years before, just yeah. kind of fell out because it's just not what the league was. I mean, a la Greg Monroe, Derek Favors, Evan Turner, Davis, yeah, yeah, like, Evan Turner. So, yeah. just the, the and like guys like you know if it was if it was. If this draft is 2000, then Patrick Patterson may not last that long because what's a stretch big who can't defend going to do then, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, now, but now he plays a role on whatever team he needs to be on. So it's just, you know, um, time period matters. And every, and you always got to take that into perspective whenever you're talking about a player in his career 
and how he fits. There's going to be a lot of guys who would have been in the NBA in 2000 who may not ever play a minute in the NBA in 2020. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and uh, then, so I think that uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'll try to have a chart up of uh, our draft and then also the actual draft, the one yeah. through 14. But for anybody, like, like we said, this is probably going to be this little series that we're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably just going to end up being just a YouTube thing, especially since the playoffs are about to start. Don't really sure. want to be talking about this on the weekly podcast. Right. Um, but so for anybody right now that's listening on Spotify or wherever and, and you only have audio, um, if you can't remember, uh, pick one was John Wall, two, Evan Turner, three, Derek Favors, four, Wesley Johnson, five, DeMarcus Cousins, six, Ekpe Udo, seven, <laughs> I have no idea how to say that. Yeah, me either. <laughs> seven, Greg Monroe. 8, Al Farouk Aminu, 9, Gordon Hayward, 10, Paul George, 11, Cole Aldrich, 12, Xavier Henry, 13, Ed Davis, and 14, Patrick Patterson. Put some respect on Xavier Henry's name and say it right, all right? That's a great. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was a Laker too, right? Yeah. yeah. By the way, Ekpe Udo is, however you say his name, um, one of the five ugliest players in NBA history. So he has that to his name. Hey, well, you know what? We were talking earlier. He ain't Luke Herringody. He is that. not Luke Herringody. Luke Herringody's eyes are touching his no his nose. Dude, you can't really fit crazy. a sharpie between them, man. It's bad. <laughs> oh man. Anyways, you know, uh, we've got the bubble guys. There were guys like Bialiko who could have made it. Yeah, that's um, that's actually who I had at fourteen. Yeah, so I figured he was on your list. Um, Grievous Vasquez, who spent a time as a quality guard in the NBA, at least giving quality minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry Sanders, whose career was cut short. Jordan Crawford, who was actually a scorer, um, had his career cut short. And then there's guys like Trevor Booker, Wesley Johnson, uh, Landry Fields, who had his career cut short by a hand issue. Um, if you've never heard that story, look into it. He he tells it really well and uh, how it affected his life. is kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, to me, I think our 1 through 14, we were pretty similar for the most part. And uh, I can't remember who's in the 2011 draft, but I think it'll be interesting regardless. Yeah, we got – Kimball Walker, I know, is in 2011. Um, man, yeah, let's let's go ahead and look into that real quick just so we can kind of have a uh, a uh, looking forward for next week. Uh, we got Kyrie. Can't believe I forgot Ooh. about that. Tristan Thompson, your guy. Uh, I love Tristan Thompson. Kimball Walker, Clay Thompson. Can't believe I forgot about that. Kawhi, Le- Kawhi Leonard. Uh, both the Morris twins, <laughs> obviously. Both. Um, Nikola Miritich. Uh, Kenneth Fareed. Vuke? Vukovic? Um, yeah, yeah. Vucevic is in there. Alec, Bur- uh, Alec Burks, score. Yeah. Yep. Reggie uh, Jackson, wow. Biamba, Brandon Knight. Jimmy Butler. Um, Enos Cantor. Um, so Jonas uh, Valanciunas. Um, so it's pretty good. This is going to be interesting, You man. said Jimmy Butler, right? Yeah, uh, Jimmy Butler, Bogdanovich. Yeah. Yep, yeah, Bojan, right? Yeah, he didn't come for he didn't come for a while though, did he? Uh, he's got that brother too, so I don't know if he. Let's see. No, no, he didn't. Yeah, because he's only got six years. Dang, he would have fit in at Miami. Yeah. Uh, Seriously. Yeah, I agree. Those, yeah. Etron well, Moore's down there. Score. Why well, a lot of guys I liked, I loved Josh Shelby. I hate Kansas, but I loved Josh Shelby. I don't know why, but I did. Bertans is down there. All these guys who didn't come over for a few years. That's funny. Got the, the goat Jimmer Fredette is in there, like. Yeah, I keep <laughs> Jimmer went ten. That's crazy, man. Oh man, Isaiah yeah, Thomas. Fun episode. I'm gonna put some respect on his name too and mention that last player. In the, I mean, he'll probably go lottery. He has to go lottery, surely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, um, maybe not. 
<laughs> yeah, well, fourteen is only something you guys. <laughs> we know how this story ends. Yeah. Well, yeah. You all um, keep a lookout. We'll we'll post links. So we'll we'll reach out to everybody and put it out there. Whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on uh, Spotify. But for right now, you can if you didn't hear episode one, you can check it out. It's on Spotify right now under the Thirty Three Rings podcast. And then uh, episode two will hopefully be up in the next couple of days, if not tomorrow. So yeah. yeah, just be on the lookout. And then, like I said, follow this series. It may be on YouTube. Um, that is our preference. So once we figure that out, we'll get it going. Yeah, trying to get all our social media set up: Instagram, Twitter, uh, yeah. YouTube, all that. Trying to find uh, how we want to go about it. But for sure, yeah, we'll get there. So yeah. All right. Well, I, don't, I don't think there's anything else. Nah, that's a wrap for episode two. Yep, 33 Rings, episode two. Mm, Yes, sir.